Shepherd, welcome back to Digital Worship. I'm John Carolis, one of our associate pastors. It's good to be with you once again as we continue our series, Planted, what it means to glean wisdom from Jesus' teachings on the kingdom of God and his other wise sayings, his other parables that need explanation throughout the Gospel of Matthew. Over the course of the summer, we'll hear a number of different sayings and stories and what it means for them to give us insight and wisdom as to how to live our lives as people who are connected to our God. Last week, we heard about the laborers in the vineyard and what it means that the thing that counts at the end of the day is God's generosity rather than our own efforts and our own accumulations in life. This week, we're going to be hearing a shorter passage from Matthew chapter 15, an explanation of Jesus' own focus on what it means that God is intentional about what comes out of us, more so than what we put into us when it comes to things like dietary restrictions and religious traditions. It's an interesting, compelling story, and yet one that is important for us to hear as we follow along his teachings in our lives. From Matthew 15. Then Jesus called to the crowd to come and hear. Listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, Explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words that you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. An interesting end of the story, one that deserves a little bit of explanation, some context so you can follow along with what Jesus is saying. In the passage previous to this one in the Gospel of Matthew, the disciples are ridiculed by church leaders, the Pharisees, for having eaten some of their meal without washing their hands in a ceremonial way before they sat down to eat. Now, at the time, there was no actual Old Testament law in the Jewish tradition for washing your hands before you ate. But over the course of time, the church leaders had put in place a number of rules to safeguard themselves from crossing the lines that the actual rules kept them from crossing. In an effort to be more obedient, they put more rules in place so that they wouldn't even come close to crossing the lines that God didn't want them to cross. The intent behind this is actually good. We want to be obedient followers of God. We want to be strong Christians. We want to be people that follow God and follow his commands in our lives. And so to keep ourselves from crossing the big lines that he has put in place for us, the Ten Commandments are a good summary of those things, we may put other things in in, in place before us so that we don't come close to crossing those lines. So maybe uh, in an effort to follow along with the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. We are careful not to devote more time to something besides uh, God in our lives. Or maybe we are careful to not do uh, time with God first in every single day that we have rather than uh, checking the news or going on social media. We put certain things in place to help us remember that God has certain desires and instructions for our life. But there are times in life when we let those rules and the systems we put in place to protect us to follow along with those rules, there are times when that gets in the way of the very nature of the relationship we have with God that is the intent that he had behind those rules in the first place. So Jesus' disciples are eating a meal with their Savior, with their Messiah, with Jesus himself. And the church leaders, the Pharisees, they ridicule the disciples for having eaten their meal without washing their hands in a ceremonial way first. 
Now, why was this such a big deal? At the time, being clean or unclean was of absolute importance when it came to uh, the Jewish people, the people who followed along with God's commands. It was important for them to be clean. And if they had crossed the lines into being unclean, whether it be through contact with a particular kind of substance or through uh, a disease that came upon them, they needed to be made clean by the work and word of the priests. And so it was a big deal for them whether they were clean or unclean. And so to eat with unclean hands would be to consume unclean food, which would mean that the inside of you was unclean. And that means that the outside of you is unclean. And Jesus is saying, you're kind of missing the forest for the trees here. You're getting so caught up in this one little rule that you're missing the whole intent behind what God is trying to do. And so the church leaders who are so concerned about whether someone is unclean or clean, they get confused is that Jesus' connection with us guides the things that come out of our mouths, out of our hearts, out of our minds. And it's more important for God, it's more important for Jesus, that those things that come out of us are things that reflect his love and his light rather than the reflections of the darker desires of our hearts or the sinful corruption that exists in our lives. And Jesus is saying these church leaders got confused because they were more concerned with what was going into the body, the food and how it was being consumed, rather than thinking about what they were saying and what they were believing out of their hearts and how that impacted the walk they had with God. Now, what I'm not saying is that Jesus was tearing down every religious tradition and ritual that existed at that time. Instead, Jesus was simply putting things back in the right place. You see, there was a time when Jesus as Jesus was a part of the Jewish tradition, God had given that people a specific diet that they would be set apart from the rest of the world. He gave them dietary instructions and restrictions that would set them apart so that their lives as separate and distinct from other people around them would continue to be a living witness to the connection they had with God. But after Jesus came and opened wider the door into the kingdom of God by allowing non-Jews to come into contact with their creator, those who existed outside of God's favor and choice, now brought in by the blood of Jesus, it would have caused a great deal of, of strife, a great deal of conflict. And we see this in the biblical narrative, in the book of Acts, in the epistles, for these Gentiles who had no dietary restrictions, who weren't given this specific rules about what to eat and what not to eat, for them to be brought into a Jewish community and to all of a sudden take on all of these rules that they were unfamiliar with would have caused all kinds of problems. And so in another gospel account of this exact story, we get the phrase from the gospel writer, at this moment, Jesus declared that all foods were clean to eat. There was no longer spiritual significance to what you were consuming as far as what kind of food it was. Now, there's some other lines that get uh, explained to us in 1 Corinthians by the Apostle Paul as far as whether they served a spiritual purpose in some other religion. But as far as whether you could eat shellfish or whether you could eat pork or whether you should eat gluten, all of these things were open to those who followed God because it's more important that God's work on your heart and work in your mind are reflected in the things that you say and the things that come out of you rather than the food that you consume, the food that comes into your body. So what's the point of all this? What's the lesson for us now? Well, we too often get things confused. We put things out of the correct order when it comes to what matters most in our Christian walk with God. Sometimes we think that if I don't do five minutes of Bible reading before I do anything else in the day, I'm a failure as a Christian and I am not doing the right things when it comes to being a follower of Christ. 
And all of a sudden, that desire we have to put God first in our life comes into conflict with a family emergency, or maybe we start to neglect a relationship, or maybe we put that in front of other responsibilities we have in life, and all of a sudden, a relationship starts to suffer. Whether it's ignoring a child who got up early or uh, putting off an important conversation with somebody that you need to have, you say, no, I need to have this time and it needs to be uh, totally unadulterated, totally uncorrupted. It needs to happen right here, right now, and I'm going to put off these other things and neglect the other areas of life that God has called me to so that I can put my five minutes in of devotional time. While daily devotions are totally important, they are not more important than a relationship God has given a parent to their child or a relationship between spouses. Or maybe if you're putting off a conversation, we can use devotional activity as a distraction from an important uh, interaction we need to have with another person. We, just like the Pharisees and just like the disciples sometimes, get things out of the right order. But there's two things I want you to know. On the one hand, God's grace is not dependent on the right ordering of things in your life. He simply says, turn to me, trust in me, allow me to work in your heart, and I will make you clean. I will make you new. I will make you more like me. His grace counts for you, no matter where you fall on the spectrum of a perfectly obedient child or a rebellious soul who is just trying to get into a connection with God. God loves you. His forgiveness counts for you. Jesus' blood covers all of your sin. And the second thing is, God is constantly inviting us into a deeper relationship with Him. We've already been washed clean. We are connected to Him and saved. But what would it mean for tomorrow my life to be more in tune with and plugged into His desires for me than it was yesterday? That's the invitation to take these steps of religious obedience, of engaging in deeper devotions, of attending church more often, of giving more into the offering plate, of being more generous with my time, of being a a gentler um, soul when it comes to interacting with other people, of handling conflict in a more peaceful way. These all are different invitations God gives us to be experiencing a life with Him more deeply. And religious tradition and religious rituals have a place in guiding us into that deeper relationship. If we put into place a daily rhythm of devotion, we will get better at hearing God's voice. If we put into place a daily rhythm of prayer, we will get better at turning to Him first in the midst of all of our problems. If we put into place a habit of fasting so that we're reminded that everything we have comes from God, that's going to be helpful for us. But if we're sick and we're putting ourselves in danger and neglecting the responsibility we have to care for the body God has given us through putting ourselves through pain or putting ourselves through illness just to hold to a particular religious ritual, then we've put things out of order. But ultimately, God has put all things in order for us. His Son is of utmost importance to Him. The gift of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection counts for you and me. And there's no ordering of things in our life that threatens our relationship we have with him. So Peter's question when he's asking God to explain, when he's asking Jesus to explain this phrase, this parable, what do you mean? It's not what comes into the body that makes you unclean, but what comes out. Jesus explains when our heart is twisted and our heart is broken and our heart is corrupted, it produces all kinds of dark things that come out of us. And if we're just spending time spreading darkness, we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're not being a part of his program of bringing his love and light into the world. So the question becomes, are you spending time filling your heart with light and love, or are you filling your heart with darkness and with bitterness? Where you spend time matters. Now, it's not going to put into jeopardy your salvation, but it will put into jeopardy the availability you have to contribute to the mission of God. 
If you're spending more time in darkness and in corruption in your sinful desires, it's going to be much less natural for you to share God's love and light with people around you. But if you're spending regular time in prayer, regular time in the Word, regular time in praise and worship, regular time in generous thinking and generous actions, it's going to be that much more natural for you to interact with others in a way that they can see God in you. So let that be an encouragement to you. Let the time that you spend this week be an opportunity for you to grow more deeply into your relationship with God. And may you also have utmost confidence that it's not the things that we do that give us connection to Him. It's not the things that we do that bring Him into our heart. Rather, He has done all that is needed for us to know Him, to be saved by Him, to be counted as the citizens of heaven. And all of these extra things that He invites us to do help us to live that out in a more meaningful way. Thanks for joining us this week for Digital Worship, and we'll see you next week.